are celebrating the one-year anniversary of Black Panther, and we're doing this with a two-part episode of Captain Marvel. Uh, Black Panther released in the United States in February 16th, 2018. It was directed by Ryan Coogler. His previous films were uh, Fruitvale Station and Creed. Uh, this was produced by Kevin Feige. It also had uh, Nate Moore as a co-producer. It was written by Coogler and Joe Robert Cole, who I believe worked on the People vs. OJ uh, for FX. So this first episode, we're going to talk about Wakanda specifically in the MCU. How does the society function? How does it compare to the comics? Uh, the second part will be more on the ending of Black Panther and about T'Challa's solution uh, for outreach to the rest of the world. Uh, mainly with the real-life socioeconomic knowledge that we have in mind. Uh, th these two episodes, they're going to go up in mid-February uh, to coincide with the one-year anniversary, but we are actually recording this on Martin Luther King Day. Uh, so, I'm going to shut up for the most part of this episode. I'm going to be more of a traffic director. Uh, I am the only not-black person here. I am Asian-American, and my sister likes to joke that I am spiritually white. So with we'll that, I'm going to introduce. Okay, sir. Well, we are here with Sabrina Clark. Hello, Sabrina. Hello, everybody. Um, the I think the last time we saw you was like I think it was a, the Daredevil episode. Maybe it was Daredevil season three. Yeah, and since then we've launched our Patreon. We've launched our Medium page. You are the co-editor of our uh, AP Marvel Illustrious Venture. publication. Yes, very much so. In fact, I'm probably going to have a piece for you to look at this week, actually. Just a warning. Uh, but yes, yeah, Sabrina, I think you brought a plus one to this call, did you? I did, I did. In fact, <laughs> I, uh, I brought someone who, uh, who kind of knows me, I guess. He's, <laughs> he's all right. It's my brother. Uh, uh, Brandon uh, Kessley, is that how you pronounce your last name? Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Hello. Um, you are Sabrina's brother, is that correct? <laughs> uh, as last time I checked, I believe so. That would be yeah, so, so funny really... if he said no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, yeah, just hide the nepotism, actually. Yeah, after surpri this surprise. Out, mom's like, um, so here's the thing, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brandon, a uh, brief intro for yourself for those who do not know exactly uh, what you do, uh, who you might be associated with etc just to give some context for like what we're about to hear from you of course yes so as, as chris has already said my name is brandon kessley aside from being an overall nerd in all ways from video games to comics to anime and manga i am a, a web developer and technical consultant by trade and i'm also the co-founder and editor-in-chief of rising young minds a multi-author blogging platform that is devoted to capturing the various perspectives of our generation and those uh, younger and beyond. Cool. Um, do you think the uh, government will be reopened by the time <laughs> this goes up on the air? Yeah, mostly because there's a certain testimony coming out the day before my birthday that I think we'll, oh boy. they'll want to change the narrative on. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see how that goes. This might be an interesting time capsule uh, <laughs> with that in mind. Uh, we have a returning guest. Uh, we have Kara Mahorn, a.k.a. The Blurred Girl, from our Spider-Verse episode. Uh, would you like to reintroduce yourself? <laughs> sure. What's up, everybody? <laughs> I'm Karima, a.k.a. The Blurred Girl, a contributing editor of Sci-Fi Wire, and sort of geek influencer, serial podcaster. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I get paid to read comic books, and it's kind of cool. 
Cool. Yeah. And uh, we were all kind of introducing ourselves to each other in the pre-show. Uh, we didn't capture any of that, but uh, I think it's going to be a fun little episode we got here. Um, I agree. It feels uh, like it. So, it yeah. feels like yeah. it. Let's do yeah. this. Uh, so let's just jump right into it. Uh, Black Panther. So when people were kind of talking about what Wakanda really means, you know, the, the phrases I heard were like, oh, it, it's kind of this... Um, Imagine this Afrofuturist nation that was untouched by colonialism. So, uh, we've been we've been trying recent episodes like kind of go from person to person, like in in the order of speaking. So let's try uh, uh, Sabrina, Karima, and Brandon in that order. Uh, how would you describe the concept or like the thesis statement of Wakanda? Um, whether it's like from your knowledge of the comics or from what you saw on screen uh, as Ryan Cougar depicted it. So, Sabrina? Yeah. I will be, just for context, everybody, as a screenwriter director, I like to give, um, I like to add input based off of that knowledge that I have. So, I'm not as mm. strong or as up on the comics, just as a disclaimer. Um, so, I really see Wakanda as. Afrofuturism in the best possible of all of the ways. Um, it's essentially this hub for <clears throat> a combination of core African ideals and combining all of these various different cultures that already exist in Africa on the on the spread sprinkled throughout the continent as a result of certain you know dias, diasporic situations. I think that's the proper use of the word um, and. It also possesses a very strong um, amount of futuristic technologies and modern mindsets that I think a lot of people do not already automatically attribute to the continent. Um, and through that, I think Kugler did a really good job of bringing all of that vibrancy and all of that um, complexity that the entire continent has in its own, in, in, in its own different ways, like based on um, nation or region by, I guess, attributing a color or a certain image with each tribe. And I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later when we get to like the monarchy, etc. But um, I think as Wakanda is a combination or an amalgamation of like all of these different cultures represented um, throughout the country or throughout the continent, Kugler has brought them all together by finding a way to make them in a way individualized while also completely similar to each other with the fact that they are all again like bright and vibrant and they're not treated each individual um culture or tribe is not treated as other the way we see it so just for i guess to to break that down a little bit more there's this idea this concept of otherness that i would in my opinion say people generally think of that's how kind of how they see Africa. Like it's kind of just an other place. You know, I was in the pre-show, I was talking about a reading that I had to do for a class that I'm taking this semester talking about written by um, Samuel P. Huntington. If anyone is familiar with the clash of civilizations that came out back in 97, um, basically in that book, he talks about the idea that in the post cold war world, everyone's just going to be fighting based off of what civilizations they're in. And he denotes Africa as one of the, those eight civilizations, but in parentheses he has possibly, which harkens back to this idea of otherness because Africa doesn't really have a distinct civilization in terms of 
or any distinct characteristics that could really summarize the entire continent because everyone is so different and every nation or every region has experienced a different amount of external or European influence. And so I think that Kugler proves that, again, by making sure that everyone looks distinct and every um, image that we get is so individualized, but it all is so cohesive because it's bright and pretty. Boom. <laughs> uh, Karima, anything to add to that? Yeah. Or your own take on the thesis of Wakanda? Um... Well, it's interesting because in terms of the, the comics, I don't think they really... The comics have never... Although Coates' run, his first run um, especially, was the only comic book run that really went into any of the governing body of Wakanda. Um, it was... What was fascinating in the movie was that Coogler decided to explore this. And it was... Whereas the comic was like, it's a solid monarchy slash dictatorship... Um, with a council of maybe close uh, cabinet members, I really felt that the movie was a monarchy slash oligarchy because I really did feel that if multiple members of his council, which were made up of the um, the five tribes, the border tribe, the merchant tribe, the river tribe, the um, and uh, I'm missing one, the mining tribe, um, that if any of them or two of them spoke up against him about something, I feel like the king, that T'Challa would have, uh, it would have swayed him as opposed, but he, he does have the power to say, we're doing this no matter what I think. But I do feel that his cabinet, his, those original uh, bloodline members of the monarchy, let's say of, of the, of Wakanda um, do have, do have their do have a very important role to play in the governing of Wakanda. I was also fascinated. Um, something that you said, um, Sabrina, was about the uh, the colors, and it's really interesting because Ryan Coogler had a lot to do with those colors. I was um, friends uh, friends. You hear me? I wish I was friends with Ruth Carter. Um, <laughs> I got a Ruth Carter. I got I a chance to interview Ruth Carter. <laughs> And, oh and um, I was surprised at how much she said, no, the colors were dictated by Ryan. She ha handled the fabrics, the textures and things like that. But it was mm -hmm. really Ryan Coogler and Hannah Beekler, who I also got to talk to, um, who has a Damn. basically, she's a product, the production designer who she came up with like this Bible of the look mm -hmm. and the feel of Wakanda. Mm -hmm. And, um, that is what actually dictated most of most of the the movie. But there's there was a lot of research because one of the things that um, one of the things that Ruth had said is that the um, she had to when she was talking, you know, basically she didn't sew everything. So Ruth basically had to work with teams of seamstresses and things like that. So it's funny when I was talking to her, was she was like, I had to basically beat the Lion King out of these people because everybody wanted to put <laughs> like everybody wanted to put like leopard print, zebra print, and, and or coming to America. She's like, that's not what this is. They literally went to artisans and studied from each regions what they would have on. So it's 
And the, the thing also I liked about Wakanda is that Wakanda is not real, but Timbuktu was a real place. And Timbuktu in Africa mm-hmm. was a place of, mm, it was, a, there was a university there. It was a place where people came to study and learn about people from all over the world. So I kind of look at Wakanda as the fictional version of Timbuktu. And the thing that people don't realize about Timbuktu is even back then, people came from all over Africa and all over the world to study there and would live there and get married and have children there. But that didn't mean that they weren't where they were originally from. Um, So Mm -hmm. each of those tribes and each of their ethnic groups, which is what I looked at each of those tribes as were represented. And, and in fact, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Ruth Carter had also said that in every costume she made sure, because the other thing that they, that people don't realize is the Dora Milaje are from all over Wakanda. They're from, they have, they're all from the different yeah. tribes. And she had, yeah. um, I did have an article about this up on sci-fi where the plackets, they had this placket that was in the front of their skirt. Um, there weren't that many close-ups on those skirts, but when there were, there's an emblem on each of those skirts representing where each member of the Dormelage were from. So some had a fish, some had an antelope, some had a mountain lion. Like they all had different things because Dormelage have to look like a united unit. But there was the, 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 I found that also fascinating that the security force was from every single one of those tribes so that none of them, that no one would, he would never feel like, oh, this group isn't represented. Now I'm going to say after the movie, yeah. he best get that sister from the Jabardi tribe to be in there too. But, <laughs> um, and I also find fa- fascinating that the movie talks about the five tribes, but technically there are six. It's just that the J- Jabari mm-hmm. chose not chose to stay in the mountains and chose to stay with, stay in the old ways, as opposed to being come part of the, the city and, and, um, and become part of the rest of the group. I found that fascinating. Yeah. And also the concept of the war dogs. Um, mm-hmm. Because yeah, I think there yeah. was a little bit of... I th- I've talked to many people who were confused about... Uh, in the comics, they're called Hatut Zaraze. But the, yep. in the... In the it, for, for, I guess, ease of use and so that people were not confused, they just called them the war dogs in the movie. Um, they were anybody who was placed outside of Wakanda. I think a lot of people felt that they were just Wakandans in America, but they mm. weren't. And I hope in this, the next Black Panther movie, we get to see war dogs in France, war dogs in Spain, war dogs in China. You know what I mean? I, I hope we get to see them all over the world so that that is a little bit clearer. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely got a sense that they they had like this, even though they weren't publicly outreaching to people they had presence uh kind of around the world i mean oh, i yeah. think they they like listed different uh cities and country like when uh uh killmonger is trying to get those weapons around i think he name drops a lot of different cities uh can someone remind me what the language they use is in the it's, movies it's Hosa. i can't I do it. i can't yeah. do the click but it's also the, the, re- the reason why they use that language is john connie who plays t'chaka um, he is a famous, yeah, he's a famous South African actor, um, along with, which a lot of people don't realize the actress that was from the mining tribe, that was Connie Chume. Mm-hmm. She's also a very oh, famous okay. in South Africa and Zimbabwe. She's a famous actress. Um, but when John Connie was working on, uh, actually 
your favorite movie we were just talking about. <laughs> Winter Soldier. Oh, Civil War. Civil War, yeah. One of your favorite. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Winter Soldier is your favorite. Oh, it's sorry. up there. Okay. It's up there. It's my second favorite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Civil War, um, he was in rehearsals. I got to talk. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to name drop. I'm just so excited about this movie. But yeah, I got a chance to talk do. to him on the red carpet. <laughs> and he had said, because I asked him and his son, I asked him, like, what was your biggest thing? How did you get them to use Hosa? And he said, I literally was in a rehearsal and I was greeting my son at the UN and everybody's reading this script. And I said, why in the world, if I'm from a society in Africa that has not exposed itself to the outside world, why on earth would I speak to him in English? And they were like, oh, Mm -hmm. good point. What would, how would you speak to him? And he said the entire set of lines, he just translated immediately into Hossa. And they were like, yes, great, Chadwick, you can learn that, right? And Chadwick was yeah, apparently nervously like, sure, why not? Um, and I think that, I guess that's I the other fascinating thing, too, that John Connie, who plays T'Chaka in the movie, his real-life son, whose name escapes me right now, um, his real-life son played the young T'Challa, the young King T'Challa in the movie. And even seeing all three of them together, their likenesses are so, they do look like they could be actually related, which was fascinating. Yeah, it it really was. (laughs) I see what you did there. (laughs) Uh, ah. John uh, John Connie is going to play Rafiki in uh, The Lion King, I believe. Yes, yes, he Mm -hmm. is. Yeah. Yes, he is. Uh, Brandon, anything on, uh, anything we just said, whether it's about, uh, the concept of otherness, whether it's about color, um, and if you want to transition to our next point about the monarchy and hierarchy, uh, feel free to do so. Uh, thank you. Um, so just to touch on a couple things before doing the pivot, uh, there was some talk about the, the Dormelage and the, the, the Hetisaraze, um, the which was the the dogs of war, which were the the spies in the movie and in the comics as well. Um, originally, with the Dora Milaje, they from the Christopher Priest run back in the '90s, which is actually where we got Everett Ross as well, um, Martin Freeman's character. Yeah. He was actually, mm, yeah, yeah, he was actually the narrator of that series, and it's very hilarious. So if you guys have not read it, I highly recommend it. I've been telling <laughs> Sabrina that for for like years now, but um, <laughs> but. Um, in that one, they were yeah they they were partially originally supposed to be not just the bodyguards they were they're called the adored ones because they were technically supposed to be um, betrothed in a sense where they're all technically engaged to T'Challa and that's kind of why and it's supposed to be a way of preventing the tribal warfare but he's not supposed to actually marry any of them or fall with any of them so i believe in the comic nakia was one originally yes she she and was and then, then in the comic they made her crazy which yeah. is why i'm glad they fixed that in the movie but they did make her crazy yeah, again in a tough. comic last year and i was kind of mad because i think yeah. Nanny Corfor wrote that one i'm like come on girl, <laughs> yeah, girl. <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah um we did also talk about perception the perception of africa and you know, the representation of Wakanda. P- people have to understand that Africa is a continent that has over 1,500 languages. There are myriad ethnic groups that are there and, and 54 sovereign nations, so many different tribes, so many different types of people that have coexisted, whether peacefully or otherwise. And th- this 
the way that Wakanda was represented through the colors, through the 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 fabrics, through the the not necessarily costume so much as as clothing, the 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 expression, the way that people carried themselves. It, it's you could you could see that that I don't want to say melting pot, but that combination of cultures represented in the way that the tribes interacted, the way that they represented themselves, the way they represented, how they mixed the modern with the old. How you had this the you had the the one gentleman with the um with, with the plate in his, his lip, but he's wearing a, f- a full suit. And I think it's a three piece suit even. Mm-hmm. You know, th- having things like that, th- those little anachronisms, um, it, it's it's very interesting. But it, it's ways for them to to maintain the culture, but still embrace the the fact that they are have advanced and they have they have some exposure to the outside world in some sense. Not necessarily that the world um, knows everything about them. I, I think that's something that is kind of confused for that people were confused about and not, don't necessarily always doesn't necessarily click with them immediately because in, in the co- like in the comics um at, at least t'challa he had like gone he had actually been educated not just in wakanda but he had actually gone to the states he had gone to like harvard and mit i believe and you know they had gained knowledge from outside of the world which is you know how they would learn to speak english and korean and a whole bunch of other things but the world thought that they were as martin freeman's character had um demonstrated that they were like a a country of farmers a country like a third world country that you know was, was not really capable of doing much and that was their cover they were literally hiding in plain sight as we saw as we know already but this this representation it uh, like the way the way that that he described it in the way that they described it again in the final scene in the UN with the post credit scene that's literally how so many people around the world still view the continent of africa they don't know about all the 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 technological advancements or the medical advancements that have gone on in places like ghana or they don't know that there are so many stable economies on the continent it's not just all war and and um corruption and things like that they don't know th- they don't know about things like that but they also don't know a lot of the history they don't know about the the ghana or mali empires they don't know about things like that a lot of times it's just about egypt and they kind of move on um there was one other thing i was going to talk about one other thing well while you're while you're thinking about that i just i just <laughs> want to jump in and say that um i i there's one thing I just want to clear up is that they didn't necessarily have to leave the continent to gain the knowledge and do the things that they did. It's just, oh, yeah, it's fact it's, it, they did so that they could learn about other cultures, but that is, I think the big, um, that is like sort of like the issue. And even in the, um, I, the, the person that you quoted at the beginning, Sabrina, um, that mm-hmm. was talking about like, they don't know whether or not Africa would be, would, would be there or would be uh, advanced enough. Um, I think there is still this mental block, even amongst African-Americans and other people in the diaspora that feel that if it's African, it's not well-made or if it's not quality Mm. or it's not. So that is the other, that's the other reason um, why seeing Shuri and her whole lab 
was so impactful. If I had seen Shuri at yeah. when I was fourteen, you could have told me nothing. You're like it's just right. yeah, so seriously. she was, and there was nothing. The way they walked around, because you have to think about it, that mm. nobody in Wakandan society ever had to act quote unquote white or act different so that they would not be oppressed mm-hmm. or hurt or anything like that. Like their whole mental, you know, thing was different. And I felt like that was some of the subtleties that were shown on screen. The other issue that we yeah. have in this country also based on, and they have it in Africa too, not just here and in the islands yeah. um, yep. is colorism. And you had mentioned the skin yep. tones. And I'd had a conversation yeah. with Brian Selfries once, the artist on the first run of Black Ooh. Panther. Oh my goodness. And he actually yes, and he actually yes. said that he purposely and Ryan Coogler would not cop to this when I asked him this, but he had said in the comics, he had purposely made it so that the the royal family and anybody who was of any of the tribes was dark skinned. And anybody who was lighter mm was not royal. Not that they couldn't be people intermarry or whatever, but that was his little artist basically plugged towards, yeah, his artistic choice to saying, these are people that are from this earth. They are from here. They they are not from anywhere else. They are not, they didn't immigrate in. They've actually, this is the bloodline. You can tell if you're looking at a family who's actually part of the royal bloodline because they are the darker ones, which is why I also think they made Zezi not light skinned, but lighter. Who is who is the mm-hmm. enemy in the first run? Yes, from from the the coach mm-hmm. run, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, it's so, still freezes art is fantastic. If life. you ever get a chance to go to like, New York Comic Con or San Diego Comic Con, he is very, very, very it. open. He will literally sit there and talk to him. whoever comes up to his table. I tell people who are artists all the time, show him your art. He loves talking to yeah. artists. He loves talking to young artists. Like, if if you say you're in college or something, or this is the first time you've done anything, he will stop what he's doing and he yeah. will talk to you. He's just the sweetest, sweetest person, and he absolutely loves what he does. That's so dope. That's, that is awesome. I, I, I would like that. to um, go back to the points about Shuri mm-hmm. here. Oh, and, uh, you know, go back to my good old pal, Huntington. <laughs> <laughs> because he also has a conversation, mind you, Class of Civil- Clash of Civilizations was written back in 97, which is when I was born, hi. Um, so I bed. feel really connected. <laughs> <laughs> I'm legal now, I can stay out when I wanna. <laughs> um, but he has this section where he's talking about modernization versus westernization. And that idea that modernization is specifically like those the the things that are actually considered a part of modernization is industrialization, mm. right? But industrialization looks different everywhere. There there are other things too, but first, industrialization, right? We have tools and technology versus agriculture and geography, and how all of those things are weaving in together to make. Um, the industry that the 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 amount of industries that works for each individual nation. So like when we look at Wakanda and we see all of these really cool advanced technologies, we're instantly thinking, oh, well, if Shuri had all of this, like why didn't, or if Wakanda had all of this, why aren't they sharing it with everybody? This idea that this is like sort of the pinnacle or the, um, the, uh, the, the null, am I saying that right? You know, like the, yes. right. 
So that is your sort of like your, your zero. Your ground zero is this idea of really like tricked out technology when all of that is so new and we're also, so because of that, we're not taking into account all of the other pieces of technology that are important to other cultures and that are considered true. modern for other cultures, right? True, true. Also with modernization, like the other characteristics of it are urbanization, literacy and education, and wealth and social mo mobility. Yep. All four of those categories are all in Black Panther. We are seeing, mm. we, we have seen it urban. We've seen it a little bit more. Um, we've seen the agric agricultural side. We see how those two kind of work together. We've seen that they have access. They are an incredibly, an incredibly literate people with um, access to higher education. And there are, which we all, I think we're getting to now, there are the wealthy. And there, there's an opportunity to mobilize and move up in the world. And for some reason, all of those attributes are equated with Westernization and with Western societies. And that only Western societies are literate or have access to um, vast amounts of technology when that's not really the case. Um, and I just think it's really interesting because giving such a positive, we all know that this movie is important because it gives such a positive outlook on Africa. And, but then it's that double-edged sword, like could be kind of problematic because people are saying like, this is how it should be. You know, this idyllic utopian idea that is, might not be um, actually accessible based off of how Africa is today. Um, I, I, I agree with all that, except I think there's one thing that was also represented in the movie that you didn't mention, and that is spirituality. Mm -hmm. The Af yeah. And also yeah. The, yeah. the blending of spirituality and culture with technology, which is not that yes. strange. So, for instance, when Vibranium, based on the comics, um, or, or the laws of this universe, this fictional universe, Vibranium is very affected by sound, almost like the symbiont. Yeah. That is, you know, that's affected by sound. So from from Spider Man, yeah. And if you notice, when the River Tribe is having their ceremony on the way to the falls, and, and there's a lot of people that miss this. They miss that last. They they're singing and they're dancing and they're building up energy so that that last stomp of the vibranium spears sends that vibration down into the water to basically unplug that yeah. giant like tub drain that was down there so that half of the falls drain off so that they can actually have this ceremony. So he wouldn't, the plane wouldn't have been able to fly. I'm sorry, the ship wouldn't have been able to fly between those two mountains if that water hadn't gone down. And a lot of people I think miss that. I missed yeah. that. I and, didn't know. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, one of the, when, that's one of the, when they, the coolest. Yeah. When they dance and then they stomp and then you, it goes under the water yeah. and you see that big, Boulder underground move then and then then mm -hmm. you see all the water basically come basically going down and then the next shot you see is the ship going through that ship couldn't have gone through right. there ten before that dance because it was the whole thing was full of water so that's wow. how they create the falls for that um for that dance and then the other thing obviously is his walk on the spiritual plane to talk to his father they do this on a regular yeah. basis and so they can talk to the ancestors or whatever and they make it like yeah this is normal this is what we do. So it's this fascinating blend of 
spirituality and technology. Like, you know how that whole thing, like your mom has eyes in the back of her head. She could like see you doing things. You don't know how she does that. What <laughs> if there was an, like she does in the movie. Right. What if there was an herb that could enhance that where she really could have 360 vision. I mean, we get our butts beat all the time, but I'm just saying like, yeah. that's the fascinating part. And that's a part that's never touched on because in terms of quote unquote academic scholarship, if it's not a Western type of religion or tradition, it is not looked at as a science. Whereas a lot of these other cultures, think of how many cultures have medicine men, but no priests. That medicine man, yeah. that doctor is the priest. And it's just, it's, so it's mm -hmm. very fascinating how that was also woven into the story and how it's often ignored in, you know, like, like you said, in like Western texts. Hey, quick ad break, then we'll be right back. Man, y'all y'all are answering my questions before I even get to answer. Oh, sorry. Because <laughs> I was so curious about uh, I I I've listened to Ryan Coogler's commentary uh, oh, yeah. on the movie, like the director's commentary, yeah. and the phrase he kept mentioning over and over again was tradition versus innovation. Yeah. So I guess the question I was I was gonna ask was like, is it is it more of a blend or is it more of a push and pull conflict? Because I was thinking about when uh, Mbaku, uh, mm. played by a very charismatic Winston Duke in the film, yes. um, you know, he kind of he kind of goes on this on this speech mm -hmm. uh, during the ritual, and he, he kind of he cites the technological innovations from from a little girl, you know, and he kind of like uh, you know threateningly approaches Shuri. So, uh, Brandon, we can start with you. I mean, is that was there ever like a conflict, or or is it just is it like our tradition and innovation like perfect perfectly like in sync with each other in the movie? I think, and this is going based off partially from comics, partially from the f from the film, and partially from like my my observation and interpretation. I don't sure. think Mbaku's speech was necessarily fighting against the advancement because if you look at if when you look at what later on when they go to his lair it's pretty well advanced and pretty lit itself in its own humble way it's i, I think it's more he, he's more um insulted and you can see it you can mm. hear it as well he's insulted that all this advancement is taking is being led by this teenage girl as opposed to you know other the other elders that in, in in especially in african tribes in in african cultures and things like that there's this sense of seniority and filial piety and things like that where you know where you're if you're you're older therefore you have that there's a sense of entitlement due to age and so when you have something like that level of responsibility where the entire nation's technology is being overseen by a 16 year old child there that that is insulting to some people and mm -hmm. they really take it personally so, so that was the way that I interpreted that. Not necessarily that he's fighting against the advancement. He's just like, this advancement sure. is being led okay. by a child, literally. Yeah. I actually think, though, in the movie, though, the way they describe the Jabari in the beginning as being turning their backs on technology, I think for years that they, they were, but then they did gain, they did, like you said, his lair has, not like doesn't have any electricity in it. Yeah. Um, you know, mm -hmm. they, and even in the comics, it's funny, the the uh, Nettie Okorafor run on she had a two or three short runs on Black Panther last year, True, and yeah. the the um, not just Shuri she had um, before Shuri she had oh god what was it called what was it called Black Panther Long Live the King it was yes, a six part series yes. and she did she did three of them um, she 
uh, she talked about not not just the technology that's throughout the kingdom, but she also showed the the Jabari having technology, but not in the same way that not using it the same way that the Panther tribe used it. The other thing that I noticed that this is weird, and this is just me maybe, but I felt in the movie that the Jabari, sorry, the Jabari were distinctly patriarchal, whereas the mm-hmm. Panther tribe, as they've been represented in the comics anyway, have been matriarchal. Like in the comics, Shuri has become a ruler a couple times. Yeah. Um, in Coates' run when she was in stasis, Ramonda was running the country as the queen mother. Yeah. I don't think in the, I get the feeling that in the Jabari tribe that might not be allowed. So I, I mm. felt like it was both the technology like, and then also, like you said, the elder thing. But I do feel like they were against, I think not just, it wasn't technology itself, but they were against the Panther tribe having access and the keys to all of it. Mm. I think that was also the Jabari's issue. Like if you weren't paying so much attention to all this tech, right. you might've been able to save your own father. You know, mm. like, I think that might have been his thing as well. It's sort of like an old world, new world mentality dichotomy thing, because um, as Brandon said, with the elders, that idea of tradition is so important. And I think in terms of Wakanda modernizing and and, and using vibranium in all these different ways and advancing technologically, we're losing, I think the Jabari feel that they've sort of lost touch with, with themselves and, or, um, that, that, that the remainder of the tribes have sort of lost touch with the idea of like protecting their individual cultures. And so they sequester themselves. Yeah. yeah remember very, very when, remember when Marvel used to do those one shots after the movies, like in between certain movies, they'd have those little yeah. shorts yep. of how badly do you want like I'm one so shots bad. on each of these tribes? Like Ooh, I want like oh write goodness, it, that would be amazing. I want a Game of Thrones HBO like miniseries. I like that's kind of what I want. <laughs> it's coming, Ryan. Hit Kevin. me up. Hello, Ryan. Ryan <laughs> Kevin, I graduate May nineteenth. Hello, Ryan. Kevin, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> let's talk. Caramel, have you talked to Ryan Coogler on the red carpet? <laughs> no, he was, I did not. But I the will, elusive one. <laughs> I will say this though: I did get a chance to talk to him in the press junket, and I think, Damn it. <laughs> I think my voice. But I'm sorry, not in the press junket. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I misspoke. The press, uh, um, the press conference, and sure. you actually do hear my voice in the press conference because I'm <laughs> actually one of the few people that asked a comic book related question. Because yeah. everybody else was asking like all these like Movies Disney kind of questions, and I was like, yeah. if y'all don't ask this man <laughs> yeah. about, about which comic he pulled this movie from, it was so mm. funny. Um, but it was um, a mixture. Yeah, it wasn't. It was absolutely a mixture, and he and he admitted that from the very first time you see Black Panther, right all the way up to not just Priest, but all the other runs in between. Yeah, um, you saw bits and pieces. But what I did like. This movie distinctly felt like it had the colors and the artistic touch of um, Selfries. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is, yeah. especially in certain certain parts. But Hannah Beekler is phenomenal. And honestly, I also we gotta say um, also the 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 DP to Black Panther, and I have to look up her name real quick. But 
she, um, Rachel Morrison, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. She, okay. I mean, remember the fight scene between um, T'Challa and Killmonger and yeah. the water and the light that was coming through as the sun went down? I was like, yes. oh my God. <laughs> like, it was just so beautifully executed. Like, there yes. were these moments, like, um, that even in terms of color, uh, the subtleties that they gave to not just Africans, but African-Americans. Like when, when they are in the club, when um, Nakia, T'Challa, and Okoye walk into the club mm-hmm. and they stand at the railing, if you look at what they're wearing, they're wearing all red, the black, and green. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. yeah. I, yeah. And that's I like that. all those little moments, you know, they're where you're so like, important. Oh, yeah, yeah the they are. Af- yeah, the Pan-African colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's, there's just... Um, so it was an ode to both, but it's funny because Killmonger and the concept of Killmonger is actually one of the reasons why I think if there was a nation state like Wakanda that did open its borders, mm-hmm. the Wakanda, the Killmongers of the West uh-huh. would be the first to, I think, go over there and be like, yo, what's good? And I think that I, I, I felt that was very real. Ooh, actually, it's funny you bring that up. OK, so uh, Sabrina and I, our family is actually from Liberia. And that's in some sense kind of what happened there. So, yes, so in Africa, Full uh, circle. Um, um, yeah, I, I, I do remember what I wanted to say before. And it was on this note, actually. Um, so the, the concept of having an African nation that was not touched by colonialism, per se, we have two examples of that in the real world with Ethiopia and Liberia. Liberia yes. was a special case because there were the, the freedmen, the freed slaves after the Civil War during the Pan-African movement who went back um, and wanted to, you know, get back in touch with, with whatever they had left of their roots. And a lot of the, the, the freedmen had settled in that area in West Africa and they had mingled with the tribes and the, the native Liberians and then ended up forming that nation. But at the same mm-hmm. time, at the same time, like, that there's still a rift that exists between the, the freedmen and the descendants of the freedmen who are referred to as the Americo-Liberians and mm-hmm. the native Liberians. Right, because they ain't from there. They ain't exactly. from there. Exactly. <laughs> but they're still, they, yeah, but exactly. So, so the native Liberians, a lot of them felt like the Americo-Liberians, just like, like the, the freedmen just kind of came in and just kind of took land and then started saying that we're a country. And they're just like, whoa, that's not really how that works. It, it's, a, it, it's a very interesting history, but, but yeah, like, I think that in some sense Killmonger does represent that aspect as well as, as being <laughs> that. I, did, I wrote a piece on this, actually, about, about Killmonger's um, view of the world in some sense, a portion of a piece. But, but he, well, he what's does feel like about- that, that, sorry, the, the child of the diaspora in the representation of that that complex relationship between the children of the other diaspora that we have. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and it it, it it's um, and I think that's that's such a a, a perfect perfect analogy. Um, my mother's not from this country; she's from Bermuda, and my father's from down south. And it was really funny growing up. I used to hear some of the conversations they were having because my father that sounded so much like everybody that I know. Then his first gen or has mm-hmm. a parent that like has one or two parents that was not from this country had this that, that is um of Caribbean or African descent had the same conversation that I did. Mm-hmm. We were like, how many how many of that Killmonger to conversation? How much of that was your like relatives at a family event? 
Like, (laughs) I have had that conversation, Mm -hmm. like, hearing people like, why do you keep talking about slavery? Get over it. Get a job. On one end, in the same family as, do you have any idea what has happened to African-Americans in this country? Every Thanksgiving. Christmas. We had that conversation at Christmas. Thanksgiving, Christmas, birthdays, weddings, funerals. Funerals are bad. Funerals are so bad. (laughs) So bad. And and it's this weird thing being the kid hearing all this stuff and you're asked to like, like nobody looks at me like, um, like when I tell people my mother is an immigrant and I say she's from Bermuda, they're like, not really. And I'm like, yeah, really? She had to get a green card and everything, Mm -hmm. you know, naturalized and then become a citizen. You know, um, but it's funny how so many people don't look at the Caribbean and black folks as like immigrants. It's weird. It's like European and Latinos from the, from the mainstream are looked at, or people of Latin descent, I should say, are looked at as immigrants, not the rest of us, and especially not Africa. And then the other thing you were hearing were the other, not even children of African parents, but actual young people who are African, who were laughing at all of the like garb that people were wearing to yeah. see Black Panther. Because they were like, yeah, I don't even understand. You got like a, a gay on from Nigeria and like a rapper on from Ghana. Like you don't even know what you're wearing. And it was like, yeah, but let them have their moment because we're descendants of slaves over here. Mm-hmm. And it was like, but they, but it was, but so all of these interesting discussions came out of Black Panther among people from the diaspora. I was having more interesting conversations with people like yourselves who had one parent or both from another country than I was from here because we have a different way of looking at things because we have to navigate many times. My boyfriend's Haitian, so he's got another... He has to navigate even another language when he goes Mm -hmm. home. So it's like... So it's interesting, but it's like a culture within a culture... Because from the outside looking in, we're all looked at as African-Americans. And I was born here. I'm not saying I don't claim that. But it's interesting seeing that movie, how it's like the, I remember saying like, this is the uh, intersectionality of the African culture, the diaspora culture that we don't see. And that's the part that even when people said, oh, that movie wasn't really diverse. It had only black people. I'm like, no, Lupita Nyong'o is black and Latina, and yeah. you know what I mean. There Denai was like, Guerrera. Denai Guerrera, and I did get to talk to her too. Sorry, but they Shout did out. have to all speak. <laughs> they did have to speak. They had to fit. She said at one point on the set there was like seventeen languages going. Yes. Yeah. And it, but people don't look at Africa like that because people right. forget, like you said, that Africa is a continent mm-hmm. and not a state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I would also form. like to. I would also like to go back to the point about Ethiopia and whether or not um, and whether or not Wakanda would exactly exist. I because I think that I looked up the map because I was like, where where is Wakanda on the map of Africa? Right? No, but here's well, the thing: it's moved three times in the comics. Yeah, yeah. In the movie, it's moved, in the it's movie moved almost, yeah, yeah. In the movie, I feel like they made it in West Africa, but their accents were clearly from South Africa and Zimbabwe. Yes. And then in the comics, it's moved from east to west to south. So it's like, yes. you know. It's like, it doesn't make sense. But it's funny that in the comics, like, um, here, where does it say? Well, I don't remember what issue it was, and I'm not going to pretend that I know that stuff. Um, <laughs> but on the map that I found on good old Google, um, Wakanda's like cut out of Ethiopia. 
essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like all of there are a bunch of other um, other fictional uh, countries here, like Niganda, Canaan. Yeah. Um, I I can't read that other one. And so I just think that's so funny because it's like basically saying that not that Ethiopia is the pinnacle, but, you know, again, that idea of being untouched. Um, And that is if if Wakanda was uh, geographically right there, absolutely think that it would be totally realistic Mm. for you know, for them to have said, oh, hey, by the way, this whole time we had these resources. It's like, oh, yeah, you were in Ethiopia, of course. Of course. Yeah, I, I think um, from what I remember, it has moved around a bit. I think for the movie, it was kind of South Central in a sense, where uh, not not near Tanzania or Kenya, maybe closer to Congo. Mm-hmm. Closer to Congo. I think yeah. it was mm-hmm. supposed to be. I think you're so right. That way, so that way it's kind of landlocked, but it has access to water still. Because it, it's not like a Zanzibar where it's literally in the middle of South Africa, although it could very well be. Yeah, I have to wonder like how, how much they thought about that behind the scenes because I think yeah. the first time you technically see Wakanda on the MCU map is like some random Easter egg in Iron Man 2 and like, you know, who even knew knows like what they were thinking about their plans about Black Panther were at that point. No, um Age of Ultron cuz um cuz Andy Serkis was in it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Andy Serkis who um yeah, I I think um Kugler was saying in the commentary like he made him wear a lot of blue and he he used blue as the you know, when he's talking about the Pan-African flag, he's also talking about blue as a contrast, as, like, the, the color to represent colonialism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, which I yeah. thought was interesting. There's a lot of blue light on him. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, let's... like that interrogation scene, eh? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about, let's uh, kind of pivot. I think uh, if we want to try to keep this to an hour, I think we have, like, ten minutes left. But uh, <laughs> uh, this is a really great conversation. I... I'm learning a lot today. Um, <laughs> yes, we stand a real ally. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. That's me, I guess. Um, <laughs> I'm so curious about what you make of life on the ground level of Akana because we see, you know, we, we see the the monarchy part of it. We see, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's a T'Challa movie, so naturally we're going to see from the very top down. But there are brief scenes where, you know, they're walking amongst the people you know people are yeah you know they're like marketplaces they're selling their wares and like they have they even have like the cool like wrist screens or whatever the hell they are but um that's kind of why i said like oh man i want to see an hbo miniseries i guess disney plus technically but uh, (laughs) i want to see like a full series that kind of fleshes out like what is life around here you know granted like like they're gonna give they're gonna give uh wanda and vision a show on Disney. I'm like, bump that. Give Shuri. Yeah, yeah, bro. I'm ready to see what she's doing. I mean, yeah. is Shuri still alive right now? That's the oh yeah, no, Shuri part. made it out. Duh. I don't, I don't. I saw her name. In she was the, classified um, as missing as in end in the Endgame trailer, but that doesn't necessarily mean she's dead. Because yeah. I also said Scott Lang is missing. Well, but, yeah, um, but that's because they didn't know whether or not Scott Lang was there. He wasn't with them, but they were in Wakanda. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so I, I don't know. It could be a misdirect. They've done it before, like we, like, like they did in the the um, Infinity War trailer with how many stones Thanos actually had. <laughs> so you never know. And plus, with the Hulk, I mean, that was a huge misdirect. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, I have it on good authority that she's not dead. Whew, but okay, that's all, I, that's all I can okay. say. Okay, okay. Shout I'm, out I'm to not, a real I'm not gonna, one. Okay. 
Real, so just, real one. So, real one. Okay. Don't, don't, <laughs> yeah, don't, sure. don't, don't, don't worry about that. Worry about the rest of them. But I will worry about the sure, rest of them. Yes. Sure. But sure, is okay. Good. Worry about black. Worry about T'Challa. But you know what they could do? They could with the next. Well, no, Infinity War Part Two comes out before April Black Panther. So yeah. Yeah. So we're, it, we're it's gonna be. They're not gonna do what they did with. Uh, Far from home, and it's like, oh look, we don't know where this is, but he's still alive. <laughs> I know, um, right? Okay, <laughs> yeah, that's we'll talk about that during that's our. That's I feel great, Mr. Break. Stark. I know, but back to back to what you what that's what you asked about. Um, yes, yeah. there's only really in one scene scene where they walked around Berdanzana, which is the downtown, like the capital of Wakanda. But in the oh, okay. in the comics, they've explored it much more, and and again, I'm going to go back to the Neti for the, just those three issues that it's so funny because I feel bad that I didn't review those comics because I thought they were going to be mu- have a much bigger fanfare but I'm going to have to go back and maybe maybe like do a little little uh, yeah follow up so that people can see like there's some information in here um, basically in those three issues Long Live the King the, T'Challa's power and I'm not going to give it all away but T'Challa's suit is depowered for a reason and he, but he has to go investigate something that happened. It's sort of like a large EMP kind of thing that happens. So he has to go find out what has happened in this area, and he is on foot. So you actually are running into not just people, but young people that are living in in not just in the city, but just outside the outskirts. And he's learning not just what people have reported back to him about what's going on, but like what it's like day-to-day life and they're like dude i know you think this war is over but there's some stuff going on so i kind Mm. of wish that there was a story like that that we could see like when we're talking about like those one shots but i really feel but again the blending of technology and even spirituality there was even a guy walking around with a plate in his lip there um it seems like the kamoyo beads are not just for royals yeah other other people have kamoyo kamoyo beads um I do know that they're different beads for different things. Like not every not every bead on her wrist could have been pushed into Ross's back. Like yeah. there's medical beads, there's communication beads, there's I want ah, a, I It's like want a Pandora a, bracelet, but for a, pretty yes, much, exactly. Pretty much. Except I want one of the beads to have like a Snapchat beauty filter built in so I can just oh, turn yeah. it on whenever I need it and I yeah. I have to put makeup on and I look fine. Um, <laughs> Sorry, are Kamoyo beads are they like the AirPods of Wakanda? Like, I know, right? It's, it's, it's like an Apple Watch. Watch. Adam first. Yeah, Adam first. But, it's, but it's all of it. It's it's an AirPod, an Apple Watch, you know, <laughs> it's, it's all of it all together. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I would like to I would like to answer this question in terms of like, let's say I'm a 21 year old college student in Wakanda studying at Wakanda University, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like my parents would be living, possibly my parents would be living um, just tribe outside you from? the city. Which tribe are you from? That's a really Role great... Role now. Um, yes. No. What are all of the? What are all of them again? The border tribe, the mining mm-hmm. tribe, the mm-hmm. river tribe. That's the one that Nakia is from. Yeah, Wakabi is um, the border tribe. Would you say? I said Wakabi is the border tribe. The border tribe, right? Yeah. Oh, I see. I see. I have no idea what tribe I would be from. Brandon, it's like the help me out. <laughs> um, but I feel hat, right? like <laughs> it would be like commuting into the city, um, or or living in the city, going to visit my parents on the weekends, and then maybe you know we sell some wares in the marketplace um, every now and again. There's like a nice community event at the university, and kids come and get tutored there, and. 
I just think it's like a normal. I feel like it's just like a African Asgard. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yes, it is definitely at least it, the way that it's been presented so far. In a lot of ways, it is. Um, as for tribes, you, I, I'm gonna go on a limb and say you'd probably be River Tribe. I was gonna say that, but then so when I when I, when you said River Tribe, I was like, mm, but I'm not like Katara, and I was like, whoa, sorry, wrong universe. No, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did because I'm River, I'm definitely an earthbender. Water bender, right? I didn't say water. You can be an earthbender from the River Tribe. Right. Yes. Thank you. Yes. I'm a I'm an earthbender from the River Tribe. <laughs> You realize that that has to go in your Twitter profile now, right? Yeah. Oh my god, yeah! I just yes, redid my bio to. too, but I'm right. I'm, have to. Then I'm we'll tweet at um, we'll tweet at um, ah, Serena Williams too. Yeah. I do. <laughs> uh, Brandon, was you said that T'Challa was like in the comics? He studied. Was it Harvard? I think. Where, where did he study again? Yeah, T'Challa studied at Harvard. No, at Princeton and MIT. I, I believe Princeton and MIT. I knew okay. MIT was one of them. I couldn't remember the other one. Yeah. So yeah. does yeah. he then yeah, know? He does he then know Tony through from MIT? <laughs> no, that's Class the funny. Of, that's uh, the like funny the thing. alumni gang. No, there's actually a really, really funny. Okay, this shows you how much of a geek I am. The yeah. um, I I really think DC does a better job. Sorry, of their animated series than Marvel does. But do. Marvel's Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Yes. Right. Yes. And there's a very funny scene between him and T'Challa, and he and Tony's like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't remember you." He was like, "That would be because I was so far ahead of you." <laughs> like, yes, I remember. Tony's yeah. like, "But I'm." It, 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 Tony's entire attitude is like, "I'm a," and I'm not obviously. I don't remember all the lines, but Tony's attitude is like, "But I'm a genius," and T'Challa's like, "But so are you? <laughs> are you really?" The Charles in the, the Charles in like the Facebook alumni group, like pretty right, much. No, he's, like, he's like, you're a genius, but I'm a genius and a king. So yes. <laughs> he's like, so sit your ass down. Exactly. <laughs> Take several seats. Yeah, I love T'Challa and Tony's banter in the animated series. Not the one that's that out is... now; that's different. Yeah. But the one Earth's Mightiest Heroes was hilarious actually, yeah people yeah. did like yeah, that yeah we, we used to watch that series we used to watch that series actually that was i watched it like three times at this point it's yeah one of my favorites it's definitely worth a rewatch if anybody hasn't seen it it's just that's another one you could just put on and just clean the house yep. yeah <laughs> yes yes it is yes i see I that, that's, that's what that's what i was there, doing but, uh... that's what i was doing I, I was watching i was watching that while i was doing my laundry she was watching inception and and, and winter soldier i was watching the earth's mightiest heroes <laughs> Yeah, see, that I was saying, I was I watch Winter Soldier at the gym, but yeah, it's usually like Ghost of the Shell if I'm playing in the house. But the the animated, the anime, the anime. But um, getting back to Marvel, I no, this is <laughs> honestly, there's we we can. I think you should have another show about role playing in Wakanda. <laughs> we can all come up with the next three scripts, and then Sabrina can write them, and then we can all make money. Boom, done. Hey. That's it. Yeah, we need... Listen, uh, Kevin, Feige, listen up, buddy. Make more Make jobs so easy, bro. Can Brian All you have please? to do, if you really want true, accurate representation from, you know, more authentic um, voices of color, you already have your whole gang. We're ready. We're ready. So ready. So ready. Can we get... I um, gathered Brian? them all together. Uh, they're right here. They're right and... here. <laughs> Chris just okay. wants to find uh, his What's up? Chris just wants a finder's fee, that's all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Secure the bag, Chris. The one, yeah, yeah. We all, we all eat in. All of us. Everybody eat in. But this is great. This has been an awesome conversation. Yes, I really love yes. you guys. Yeah. Um, I think we can wrap part one up. Um, 
You know, I mean, I, I'm still kind of curious of like, you know, like Sabrina, like she kind of talked about the hypothetical Wakanda University and I'm like, my, my mom is very critical of Suri because it's like, how would you get so smart? She doesn't have any lab assistants, like yada, yada, yada. And I'm, I'm that, you know, I sort of roll my eyes, but at the same time, like, hmm, like how, <laughs> like what is education in Wakanda like? You know, are they preparing them to... True. Uh, go around the world and like be war dog like people or are they um are are they just meant to support whatever society or whatever infrastructure they have within their country their own country oh wait are you mm. still recording uh yeah so let just one more question before we oh, wrap okay, this okay, okay. part this first part up i guess i think they i think they would i think i think pre civil war <laughs> i'm sorry yeah pre civil war where they go outside yeah, of Canada, yeah. um they they literally would be um they would be learning what they needed to learn about the outside world but being to able to take also all the technology take it back to their own tribes i mean that, that yes. what kind of still needs architects and you know uh and, and plumbers and 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 um computer scientists and things like that they, and all those disciplines need to be studied and there's nothing wrong with this is um, in this country, we're used to going away, leaving home, going away to school, and never coming back. Right. <laughs> but that's actually not very African. Mm-mm. Um, mm. especially if you have come from a long line, you would take what you learn and come back, and then either and, and and work, and you would share your. Uh, and I'm and I'm obviously I'm generalizing. Yes, Africa is the continent, but I'm just saying that that in terms of Western culture sounds very strange, but going back home. Home might not be one house. Home might be a compound of houses. Home, yep. You know, home might just like in, in oh, yeah. even in the islands. And in, I got half my family that's all on one like, call it a hill, but you know, it's like at the, all the houses are close together. It's just yep. something that you do. So yeah. it wouldn't be strange for someone to learn a trade and even get a doctorate or whatever, and then go back to their, like we said, border tribe, mining tribe, whatever, and become a doctor there or a dentist or. You know, somebody's got to clean these kids' teeth. So there's still stuff that (laughs) that (laughs) that they would be that they would learn. No, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Um, one of the things that that is definitely important, and I I think that's what you definitely just said that really just stuck out is that sharing of knowledge, and that's kind of how how humanity in general has survived and that's kind of what sets us apart as a a species where we kind of thrive off of preparing the next generation by passing on knowledge you know all the knowledge that was gained from the generations past the knowledge that we pulled from ancient civilizations from different civilizations around the world once people started traveling they started learning from each other they usually took it back to their country so i think it definitely makes sense that even if people would would people in wakanda for example would in some sense go somewhere and then learn it and mm-hmm. then take it back. Even if, even if they were, you know, advanced and wouldn't necessarily need to leave. Yeah, I think it would still make some sense for them to not, for them to, to get that firsthand experience, even if it's just like a war dog assignment or something like that. Or cause, cause I mean, I mean, and we might talk about that in the next thing as well, but I mean, the war dogs tend to have a different outlook on life. And that's something that was touched on in the film as well. I mean, between Nakia and, um, and Njobu, but you know, you you learn you learn more when you're exposed to other cultures. Otherwise, you just remain very insular, and you have a kind of 
monolithic train of thought in some sense. So I, I think it was definitely something that they probably would have stressed, especially for the royal family. But they probably would have stressed for people to, to get some level of education outside of the country and then bring it back. Man, that's a perfect transition to what we're going to talk about in part two. <laughs> uh, uh, Sabrina, any final word before we wrap up part one? Um, no. Everyone uh, go pick up a copy of Samuel P. Huntington's The Clash of Civilizations <laughs> if you would like to know more about that. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay, uh, let's wrap up this uh, first part. So uh, let's do our social media plugs and our project plugs. So you can find me at Compenderizer. Uh, Sabrina, what is your Twitter handle? On Twitter, you can find me at Sabs Clark. That's at S-A-B-S-C-L-A-R-K-E. And uh, we can see what tribe you are on your uh, bio at this point, I'm, I'm sure. But, uh... I know, I'm looking, at, I'm looking it up legit as we speak. <laughs> uh brandon where can people find you on social media and any projects anything uh keep in mind this is coming out on february 14th anything you want to plug that people might want to look out for of course oh <laughs> it wouldn't be marvel related but i'll get to that um so first things first for social media for for twitter you can find me at b-c-k-e-s-s-o that's b-c-k-s-o and for the Rising Young Minds, you can find them at T-H-E underscore R-Y-M. That's at The Rhyme. Um, by the time this episode comes out, I'm working on a Drake retrospective piece, looking at 10 years Ooh. ten years of Drake's career. So that will be coming out because it will be 10 years since So Far Gone, the mixtape that launches his now infamous career. And so, yeah, be on the lookout for that on the Rising Young Minds page. Awesome. Uh, Karima, the Blurred Girl. Uh, <laughs> your, I mean, I already said your social media, but uh, <laughs> if you want to reiterate that and anything uh, we should be looking out for uh, by the time this goes up on the 14th. Yeah, um, I am the Blurred Girl, T-H-E-B-L-E-R-D-T-U-R-L, and I'm basically the same all over, um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, etc. Um, but I kind of get mail on Twitter. I'm there a lot. Um and I'm always working on a bunch of different things. I like I mentioned, I had a. I'm by the time this is out, you will be able to hear a podcast that I did with Anjali Crochet on the Radical Geeks with April Rain. Um, you will also be able to see some video of me. Um, Fox uh, was nice enough to fly me out to New Zealand, and I got to go to the um, Weta Digital set to check out Alita Battle Angel and what? Um, I, I got to do yeah I got to do some mocap with Robert Rodriguez which was oh amazing. Goodness. okay yeah whatever oh I'll brag. so casual fine secure so that, the bag <laughs> so that video will be up by the time this airs so please check it goodness. out over at theblurgirl.com <laughs> Okay, well, um, you can subscribe to AP Marvel on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or any uh, podcast service, really. Uh, please leave us a review. We love hearing your thoughts. Uh, we love hearing, we love people calling us out. That way we can, uh, you know, get better. Uh, we have a Patreon. Yeah, <laughs> what? But please be kind. Yes, yes, yeah, be, kind. Be, yes be, be kind. Be respectful. Nice. Yeah. Be nice. Constructive criticism. Const um, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash APMarvel, where you can, uh, contribute to us as we try to pay, uh, writers, artists, uh, podcast guests. Um, uh, we have a medium, that's, uh, medium.com slash AP-Marvel, where you can see, 
uh, all of our written work and also uh, our summer summaries of our podcast episodes. We're on Discord. Um, there should be a link in the show notes where you can join our Discord discourse. Uh, as always, thanks to Charles Villanueva for the graphics. Thanks to Steve Model for the theme song Jazz Vengers. And thanks to our top Patreons, especially uh, James Coran, who I'll mention by name because I'm legally required to by the, the bounds of our own Patreon campaign. But yeah. Uh, so that's the end of, of, of uh, part one. Um, if these guys are still down, we're going to record part two, like, right now. But you should be hearing from us about uh, the end of Black Panther and their international outreach uh, a week from today. So stay tuned. We got some more good stuff coming at you. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.